Angels have become very popular these days. They are everywhere. In fact, there are many people who don't believe in a personal God. They believe in personal angels who are the servants of God. (laughs) There are people who don't believe in the existence of God. They believe in the existence of angels who are the messengers of God. And now you see them everywhere you go. They are decorations and ornaments. Uh, You see them as jewelry. People wear them and adorn themselves with them. And there are some people even now in this culture who worship angels. Literally, they're, they're little gods. Just as you see the Hindus have their little gods that they put in a closet and they bring him out and worship at certain high days, that's what they do. They have the little angel somewhere, and they get him out, and they will revere that angel. They would want to please that angel. They want to cultivate that angel, and they want to ask that angel for things, but particularly protection. And I was thinking about this and, and, and how this false concepts and, and the false belief about angels seem to be permeating our culture all across the land and in the Western world in general, in Europe and Australia. They have the same kind of falsehood about angels. And, and I was thinking about this, and I said, you know, that would be like you would get an invitation from the President of the United States, an engraved invitation, and it says, come to the Oval Office. I want to meet with you one-on-one. You take that invitation, and you throw it away, and but you go to the White House anyway, and you want to sit down and fellowship with the guard, the person who's guarding the gate. And, and you say, well, I'm here to have spend some time with you. He said, buzz off, because you can't do that. You're distracting me. My job is to protect this place. And you keep saying, well, I really am here to spend time with you. I'm here to fellowship with you. I want you to do certain things for me. And he said, get out of here or I'll get you arrested. <laughs> Because my job is to obey the boss and not you. That's how it is for those who ignore God and focus on angels. They really are. That's exactly what they're doing. And you say, this is a terrible picture. It's exactly right. It is a horrible picture. But that's reality to some folks. And I hope today, as we look at what the Bible says about angels, that lives will be changed for good. Because I can tell you one thing, for those who want to fellowship with angels and and spend time with angels, and like that person who want to spend time with the guard. See, the person who want to spend time with the guard and not go and take the invitation all the way it was given, they are not only insulting the president, they not only ignoring the most powerful man in the world, but they are belittling and bemeaning that invitation. The Bible tells us about angels. The Bible teaches us the role of angels. The Bible does not tell us to pray to angels. The Bible does not tell us to worship angels or focus on angels, because that would insult God and, in fact, aggravate the angels, because their one role in life is to please the living God who created them. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 makes it very clear that the angel's role is to minister, it is to serve the heir of salvation. They are to serve the believers at the behest of God. They serve the believers at the command of God. 
They serve the believers at the order of God, not their own volition, because they have none of their own. They administer the purpose of God in the lives of the believers. That's what the role of angel is. And so, if you don't know the Lord of the angels, all the talk about angels will not help you. Try what you may. The angels will not protect you. And the Bible gives us a clear picture about what the angels doing both in heaven and on earth. The Bible teaches us that in heaven, the angels are forever magnifying the name of God, that in heaven they are serving, they are worshiping, they are executing the orders of God. In heaven, the angels are forever extolling the majesty of God. They are forever praising the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth. They're forever thanking and praising the Lord Jesus Christ for leaving the glories of heaven and dying on a cross in order to pay for the wages of sinners around the world. That's what they're doing in heaven. On earth, they are executing God's purpose on earth. On earth, they are ministering to the believers. On earth, they are protecting the believers at the command of God. They even rule nations, as we're going to see in chapter 12 of the book of Daniel. Turn, please, with me to Daniel 12. And here we see Daniel around the age of 86 or 87, give or take, a few months here and a few months there. We saw him in the beginning of the book of Daniel at the age of 14, standing firm for God. And here we see him at the age of 86, standing firm for God. What a faithful man. He stood firm despite of the threats. He stood firm in spite of persecution. He stood firm in spite of harassment. He stood firm in spite of betrayal. He stood firm in the midst of hungry lions, and he lived to tell about it. All of these things failed to break Daniel's spirit. All of these things have failed to get Daniel to compromise and get him to put one foot with God and one foot with the Babylonians. In the last message, we saw in chapter 11 that the pre-incarnate Christ, Christ before the incarnation, appears to Daniel at the river Euphrates. And that was a result, direct result of Daniel praying and fasting for three weeks. The pre-incarnate Christ who had appeared to Abraham, who had appeared in the Old Testament numerous occasions, now he appears to Daniel. And as we saw in the last message, he helps Daniel to look down the future into what is to come and to us now is history. Hundreds of years looking at the milestone of history that is yet to come. And all of this for a reason. The pre-incarnate Christ doesn't just appear for no reason at all. If it is nothing else, it's to encourage Daniel, because he wanted to encourage Daniel. But isn't something else that the pre-incarnate Christ wanted to do? He wanted to tell us and assure us, as well as Daniel, that heaven is always always holding the reins on what goes on on earth. He is telling us that heaven is in ultimate control of what is happening on earth. 
He is telling us that heaven will always have the last word on what goes on on earth. And here in chapter 12, we see the pre-incarnate Christ revealing that His angels administer His purpose, serve His purpose, serve His plan on earth. Even in the most distressing times, the pre-incarnate Christ points out, in the most distressing times that the world has ever known and will ever know, the angels of God are there to protect God's children. Even in the times of the horror of the Antichrist, the archangel Michael is standing there to protect the people of God. The archangel Michael will deliver God's people. The archangel Michael will make sure that no one, no one, no one, no one whose name is written in the book of life will ever be lost. Amen belongs here. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 12 of the book of Daniel. It says, everyone whose name written in the book of life shall be delivered. Now I'll tell you something. Shall, not maybe, not possibly, that there is a distinct possibility, not let's hope so. No, 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 no. Shall be protected. Shall not be lost. Look at verse 1 again. Everyone whose name written in the book of life shall be delivered. Can you say, shall be delivered? God bless you. Michael, whose name is, means who is like God. Now you understand why my parents named me Michael. Because they really wanted the glory of God. And to thank God for supernatural intervention in my life. Those of you who do not know, my mother nearly aborted me when I was in her womb, at the doctor's command. But then she trusted the Lord, and He brought her through, and she lived 16 years. And that is why she's a woman who loved God and trusted God. And that is why she wants to be reminded every time she calls my name, who is like God, who is like God? And the answer is no one. And Michael has already been mentioned in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, and verses 13 and verse 21. And it's mentioned that he is one of the chief princes. You say, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that he stand guard, protecting God's own children. Gabriel, for example was the announcer of God. He is the one to announce the news. He actually came and announced news to Daniel. Gabriel is the one who told Mary and Joseph about the birth of Christ. He told the shepherd. Gabriel is the proclaimer. He is the announcer. He is the mouthpiece of God. He announces the future. But Michael was called the archangel. And the reason he is called the archangel was because he's more than just a messenger. He is more than just delivering the message of God to somebody. He is the chief warrior. <laughs> he is the most powerful.
powerful commanding general in the celestial being. But also for that, God has given him special powers. In the epistle to Jude, in the New Testament, in verse 9, and then you find the same thing in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, but particularly in the epistle of Jude, I'm convinced it's the brother of Jesus. In the epistle of Jude, verse 9, it spells it out very clearly that Michael is the one who contends with the devil on our behalf, that Michael is the celestial military general who commands billions, could be trillions, of angelic hosts, an angelic being. And his primary task is to defeat the devil and his demons. Michael and his hosts, they have one task, and that is not only to defeat Satan on behalf of the believers here and now, but he is the one who will ultimately lock up Satan in the lake of fire. You see that in the book of Revelation, clearly spelled out. But according to 1 Thessalonians 4.16, immediately before the return of Christ, we are going to hear the archangel Michael with our own ears, and we will hear him because the Bible said that we will hear the voice of the archangel. The Bible also tells us that there are different ranks among the angelic beings. There are the archangels, then the angels, there is a seraphim and cherubim, and there are principalities and authorities and powers and thrones and dominions. There are untold number of angels, which means their number possibly could be beyond the billions, maybe even in the trillions. We don't know. All we know that when the Bible said untold number means you cannot get your mind around that number. And here is the good news. I want you to listen to me very carefully. This good news always blesses me. Whenever I find myself under satanic attack, and I always do on a regular basis, and if you're walking with God, you will. Whenever I find myself in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy, I'm always remembered. You see, Satan wasn't always Satan. He was Lucifer, the angel of light. And he was standing before God's throne day and night. And the reason he was called the angel of light is the light of the throne of God was reflected on him. But then one day he had this crazy idea. He had this stupid idea. He had the foolish idea that he could conduct a coup d'etat and throw God out of his throne and sits in it. But in his stupidity, he persuaded one-third of the angelic beings to join him in that stupid idea. And when he failed, he and one-third of the angelic beings were thrown out of heaven. Now he is Satan and all his demons. You say, where's the good news? Here's the good news. The good news is that for every demon that harasses the believer, for every demon that tempts the believer, for every demon that wars against the believer, there are two angels who are fighting on behalf of the believer. Isn't that great? Now I get to the message. I may have long introductions, but I always get to the message. I never 
leave the message out. The message here of Daniel 12 is basically twofold. In verses 1 to 4, the pre-incarnate Christ is assuring us that His angels will protect the believers in this life. Secondly, in verses 5 to 13, it tells us that the angels will take the believers all the way home to glory. First, the angels will protect God's own children here and now in this life. The pre-incarnate Christ wanted Daniel to know, wanted you to know, wanted us to know that was revealed fully 600 years later when God became man through the Lord Jesus Christ. 600 years before God became man in person of Jesus Christ, Daniel needed to know some things. He wanted to know everything, but God wouldn't let him know everything, just let him know some things. Remember, at the time of Daniel, it was over 600 years before Christ, and he wanted to let him know what we already know in the New Testament as it revealed in Christ, namely, that God uses His angelic beings to protect the believers. Throughout the New Testament, when God became man, Jesus told us again and again and again, read in the Gospels, you'll find it there, how He shall protect His own to the end. Those whom the Father has given me, I will lose none. Even the Apostle Paul was echoing Jesus' words, and he was asking the question, a rhetorical question, what shall separate us from the love of God? And then he comes up with a whole list of possibilities. Shall persecution? Shall hunger and famine? Demons? Angels? And then he comes to the conclusion that nothing, <laughs> nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But 650 years before the coming of Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ told Daniel that everyone whose name is written in the book of life shall be protected. Not may be protected, will possibly be protected, under some circumstances will be protected, shall be protected. Jesus said in Luke 10.20, Rejoice! When the disciples were so excited that they had power over demons, that they were exercising demonic forces, they were healing the sick, Jesus said, rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. That is a cause for rejoicing. That is a cause for celebrating. When you're down and discouraged, rejoice. Your name is written in the book of life. The book of Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 said, please listen carefully. Don't miss this one whomsoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I get no joy out of that, but that's a fact. It's a fact. God said it. It is truth. But here's what you need to know. Listen to me carefully, please. In heaven, there is a book. Well, it's more like a database. <laughs> For those of you computer experts, it's a database. Yeah, we have a database downstairs, and all the staff will tell you every now and again we found mistakes. 
Somebody moved that's not been corrected, and somebody's got married and the name has not changed. Some, some mistakes. With the database that God has in heaven, there are no mistakes. If there are 20,000 Michael Yusufs there, they're every one of them individually known to God because our fingerprints, our DNA, our personality, everything, who we are, is written in the book of life. And no one can change that. No one can take that name out. No one can do anything to that name. That's what the Bible is saying. It's not maybe. It's not possibly. It's not I hope so. No. Everyone, either in the book of life or it's not in the book of life. Beloved, I want to tell you, everyone who's listening, you need to know, you either have your name written in the book of life or your name is not written in the book of life. That is the most important thing you need to know today. I want to tell you, the most important thing for you and for me that will matter the most is having your name in that book, in that database. It is exceedingly more important than your reputation in your society or in your company or among your friends. It is exceedingly more important than your achievements and your accomplishments in this life. It is exceedingly more important than your education. It is exceedingly more important the string of degrees that you can get. It is exceedingly more important than your possessions and your accumulations. It is exceedingly more important than your statement of net worth. Why? Because all of these things are going to be destroyed. All of these things will benefit you not on that day. All of these things will not be of any use in the last day. What will matter then is whether your name is written in the book of life or not. Maybe someone here today will say, how do I know that my name is written in the book of life? There's only one way. If you submitted your life to Jesus Christ, if you have accepted that you can never save yourself, that all of your efforts will not help you, but only through the acceptance of the payment that the perfect Son of God paid on the cross for you, when you accept that payment to be for you personally, that's when you get your name written in the book of life. The Word of God makes it very clear that those whose names are written in the book of life shall be guarded, shall be protected in this life by the warring angels under the leadership of Chief Michael, of the Archangel Michael, until your last breath. But not only that, while you go through life, the pre-incarnate Christ is saying to Daniel, the Antichrist might try to persecute us. He may try to make our life into living hell, but he'll fail. He is saying that the untold pressure of the world, the flesh, and the devil, they will try to destroy us, but they'll fail. He is telling us that the incarnate Christ is saying that even increased in knowledge is going to try to distract us and take our attention away, but they will fail. God's angels will protect those whose names are written in the book of life, in this life. But secondly, God's angels will protect His own 
in the life to come. Look at verse 9 with me. The pre-incarnate Christ is saying to Daniel, Daniel, it's not up to you to know the timing. You see, Daniel was curious. He saw some things, and he wanted to know some more. I know. We all do. But the pre-incarnate Christ said, you don't have to know everything. I don't have to know everything. He said, go your way. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, that's a Hebrew way of talking. It is saying, Daniel, mind your own business. Yes, mind your own business. Daniel, don't trouble yourself about these things. Daniel, trust God about all these things. The end times are known to God the Father alone. That's it. I don't have to know everything. Beloved, listen to me. When Daniel, the great man of God, wanted to know more, the pre-incarnate Christ said to him, it is not necessary for you to know all the details of God's timing. It is not necessary for… Look at verse 10. Verse 10 makes it very clear that the secular man, despite of all his secular and worldly wisdom, will not understand God's ways. He will not understand it. In contrast, those who love the Lord, those who fear the Lord, those who are serving the Lord, those who are witnessing for the Lord, those who are calling people into righteousness, those whose life has been manifested and been possessed by the Holy Spirit of God, regardless of what contradictions in history or confusion in history, those wise whose names are written in the book of life, there are those who fear God. The wise are those who are under the cover of God. The wise are those who are under God's protection in this life and in the life to come. That's really what matters. In verse 12, he is saying, for sure, there's going to be a period of time and that's why you get all kinds of interpretations of three and a half years and seven years and, and this, that many years. But there's going to be a period of time. In fact, when the Bible talks about a time and a time and a half, the Bible talks about a period of time. <laughs> and we need to be honest enough to say, nobody really knows. And it doesn't matter. I live my life as Jesus is coming back this afternoon, or I'm going to see Him. <laughs> but I work as if he's not coming back for a thousand years. In verse 12, he's saying, sure, there's going to be a time period that will pass before the end will come. But the point is this. Only God controls the times and the seasons. Only God can change the times and the seasons. Only God knows who, what, where, when. You and I are called to be obedient. God says do this, yes, sir. God says do that, yes, sir. God is the only one who knows this. And God is saying to Daniel, you go on trusting in God's power to protect you and His people. You go on placing your confidence in the God who promised that He will never leave you nor forsake you. You go on believing and trusting in the God who said that He who began a good work in you is able to bring it to completion through the power of Christ Jesus. You keep on trusting that God's angels will not only protect you and protect all of God's people whose names written in the book of life, 
in this life, but in the life to come, they are going to take you all the way to glory. He's saying, Daniel, remember that the very angels that came down and zipped the mouths of all these lions and made a beautiful mattress for you to sleep on, all those angels who have done this, they are going to protect you all the way until you come to glory. That's what the message is. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Oh, Lord Jesus, how we thank You that we have a purpose in life. We know who we are and where we're going. When the world around us is confused, we affirm in our identity in You. Father, we thank You for all the promises that You've given us. Oh, Lord, how I ask You to forgive us for the times when we let those promises go by the wayside and focused on our problems and focused on our circumstances and focused on our health and focused on our wealth and focused on the things of this world and forgot the promises of God that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Oh, God, I pray that if there's one thing we need to be reminded of today and the rest of our lives, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, that our names are written in the book of life, and that we are protected not only in this life, but all the way to glory. Father, I pray if there's one person here today whose name is not written in the book of life, that they would not leave this place without committing their lives to you so that their names be written today, this day, in the book of life. Father, I thank you. I bless you. I honor you and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.